come over here for a tick. I just want to get a freeway and see how it works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's your start. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Massive Attack Podcast. Now I'm Joe, with me tonight is Mitch. It's Brittany, bitch. And we've got a very special guest. We've brought in the big guns and we have Joel with us tonight. Ah, uh, the big gun. Yes. yes. Adding more Massive to Massive Attack. Well, and episode 13, is it? Well, yes, it's our one year anniversary actually, Joel, so we figured that special occasion deserves a special guest. I'm not sure if that'll change the dynamic of our uh, little topics, but we'll see how we go. Well, thanks for the invite. I've never been on the wireless before, so it'll be a pleasure to tune into the AM band and see my, see, hear my droning tones. Well, a video podcast, if you want that. <laughs> no, you don't want to see a video podcast. Well, as usual, we've been pretty busy in the last month. We'll probably kick right in and talk some movies. Now, as usual, Mitch, you've been to the cinema? I have been to the cinema, not the Aster, for a change. I saw Argo, the Ben Affleck film. I will be going to see that on a Friday night, so... I'll spoil it for you now. No, no, no. It's a really good film. Apparently, there's a few inaccuracies because it is based on a true story, but Ben Affleck does know how to direct a film. I'll give him that. I won't spoil it for Joel. I can recommend it a lot. I don't think it'll win the Oscar next year, but I think it might be in the running. If they do their 10 nominations like last year and stuff, I think it, it'll be the sort of movie that definitely gets looked at. Well, I think they kind of said that they weren't going to do 10 nominations this year. I think no. it was kind of like they only said they did 10 because that's how many they need. Oh, well, they don't have to do 10, yeah. which is shit. Because if you're the ninth best film, but it's not good enough... Yeah. sort of bad it's sort of like oh yeah there's only seven that we think are worthy this year and you go fuck you yeah. <laughs> I mean I don't know if you're going to say ten do ten if you're going to say five do five don't sort of say we can do ten but all those other films aren't good enough yeah well, it's, it's like kind of saying that last year's movies were better because we had to think of ten to nine yeah that. and yeah. it's just yeah it's a bit naff but anyway who else is in it other than Ben Affleck Brian Cranston so Mr. Breaking Bad hmm. well I have heard good things about it we, as I said Joel's seeing it Friday so we won't spoil it but, um, yeah recommend it and a lot of the films I've seen this year it's a very good one Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy is probably still up there as probably the best this year, but that's a good one. Uh, I'm personally a big Ben Affleck fan. Some of his creative projects, like Project Greenlight and Push Nevada, were two really underrated but great, great programs. So, yeah, more power to him if he's out there directing because he's got a great talent for... Yeah, The Town was, was directed by him as well, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. You've seen that, haven't you? I, I have. I haven't seen that. On a plane on the way to Boston. So it was kind of apt in a way, but not the best way to see it, but a really good film. He does a tight movie. Yeah. Like he doesn't overstretch or anything. As far, I mean, it's not a spectacular like special effects movie or anything like that. But he knows characters. He gets a good performance out of people. And yeah, The Town's really good. I probably prefer The Town okay. but going back. But that was just really impressive filmmaking. Like I think in time, he'll be like a Clint Eastwood, you know, as he gets old older. Yeah. As he gets older, he might be known more as a director than an actor by okay. the end of this. I don't know. Well, he didn't he win, win an Oscar for screenwriting? Was it? Him and Matt Damon did Goodwill Hunting, apparently. Like, as far as all reports go, there were rumours around that Gus Van Sant... No, Michael Golden. Golden? The guy who did Princess Bride and Misery and all that. Yeah. There were a lot of rumours around that he sort of wrote it and they put their names on it, but he's come out and said that, no, 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 I had a look over it for them, but it's pretty much their script, so... Okay. Yeah, they've, they've definitely got something. Good mm. on them. Yeah. And Joel, have you been to the movies lately? No, not lately. The last thing I saw was The Expendables 2, which was a fun ride. I don't think it's going to be on the nominated list for the Academy Awards. No? Oh, well. Yeah, strangely enough. Some of the but best films are. Yeah, if they're only levelling it off at 10, I'm sure it's 11. Probably yeah. 11, yeah. But a great fun ride. You want good acting? Not the film. You want... <laughs> Good directing, probably not the film. You want corny one-liners, lots of explosions, and a lot of fun. Definitely the film for you. Is it called Dolph Lundgren? Dolph Lundgren. Then it's uh, sold me. Yeah. <laughs> and Chuck Norris, highlight of the film. Okay. I heard they kind of tried to sandwich a bit more story into the sequel. Uh, yeah, no. No? No. no. <laughs> What's the point, really? It's not like anyone's actually going to watch The Expendables for the story. No, but Expendables 3 with the 
girls, is that right? Or an Expendables with female cast, is that rumoured? That is rumoured. Done anything? No, no, no more than that. You haven't heard anymore? No. Okay. But I think they're going to have to churn them out pretty quick and because they're cast, I don't see having a long future ahead of them. No. Well, I mean, it depends. I don't think they blew off the box office like they thought they were going to do. Like, I really enjoyed the first one. I do plan on seeing the second. I just never got around to it. On paper and in the lead up to it, it's like, this is going to be the greatest movie ever. Look at the people they've got in it. And it really only appealed to us. Like, yeah. our people our age. I don't know if the young, your 18-year-olds or 15-year-olds are going to go, I really want to see that film. And if they did see that film, I don't know if they're going to go, I don't know what the point. They've kind of brought in Jason Statham as the younger generation. Oh, Terry Crews and Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it wasn't just the 80s icons of the cinema. They brought in other people. Randy Couture was in it, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in the first one. Yeah. He's in the second he as well. Second. Yeah, so, I mean, they are bringing in different people to try and bring in different audience. But again, I, I don't know if it was enough, obviously. I don't mm. know what the box office was, but it wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. No, well, I think it made a lot less than the first one did and cost a lot more to make. But as a film, I think the second one better. It's less dramatic, uh, a lot more fun moments, a lot more corny one-liners, a lot more excitement, but yeah, I don't know that they'll be able to churn out too many more. Well, we know enough that they need to churn out too many. I mean, they're having fun, I think, mm. is what they're doing. It's like, yeah, we still got it. I think they wanted to prove that they still had it. And Whether think, they actually do, I don't know. But. I think as well, Stallone just had the list of people that he wanted to work with that he never got a chance in the 80s, like Van Damme. And- no, I mean, passing on, like with the Terry Crews and Jason Statham and stuff like that, you sort of almost passing on a torch that you could yeah. spin off some of these characters maybe if you wanted to keep going but they've got careers yeah. of their own they don't need it that's true other than that Joel have you seen anything else though? no I've not been to the cinemas lately uh, I finally caught Office Space on the weekend that was another fun film did you get any cake? because <laughs> <laughs> last time there was cake you didn't get any cake Stephen Root is the highlight of that film. Oh, there's so many highlights in Office Space. Yeah, that Ron Livingston, the main guy, did he ever go on to do anything else? He did a couple of other serious films that I don't think ever went anywhere. He had a touch of the Jonathan Silvermans about him to me. That's not a good thing. No. no. I had that once. <laughs> Bedroom for weeks. I had some bad seafood. <laughs> well, as usual, I haven't been to the cinema because, you know, kids and all. We did try and go to the movies a couple of weekends ago, but unless you want to see Skyfall or the latest Twilight film there's not a lot showing and you really. don't well, I kind of want to see Skyfall but I do actually I've I heard really I, good things well I didn't like Quantum of Solace no, so that was I, I kind of feel that maybe I wouldn't get a lot out of Skyfall now the reviews for Skyfall have been awesome yeah. I don't know, maybe I should have bit the bullet and seen Skyfall, but instead my wife and I decided to watch Pirates Band of Misfits on DVD. Yeah, it was Ardman Animation. Mm. And I can remember seeing an ad for it earlier in the year, possibly sort of around April, May sort of time, I think I saw the ad for it, but hadn't seen anything of it since and pretty much knew nothing about it other than the fact that it was Ardman Animation. And I don't think it's Claymation. I think it's actually computer done to make it look like Claymation. It's got a good voice cast. It's got Hugh Grant in the main character and David Tennant sort of is like... Bill Nye in there? Because he uh, seems to be in everything. No, he's not. Oh. The main ones are Martin Freeman. He's like the first mate on the ship and Hugh Grant's the, the captain. Bilba. And David Tennant is Charles Darwin. Ah. And it's got a few little nods to popular culture. It was hard to tell whether it was meant to be a kid's cartoon or whether it was like an adult cartoon. There was a lot of adult content in it. Like there's one bit where they're in this convention for scientists and there's a scientist that's made an airship and he's basically saying, the best thing about being in an airship is looking down girls' blouses. So, yeah, that was not really what you'd expect in a kid's film. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was good. I liked it. There was a few interesting musical choices in it. Like, there's one stage where the captain goes off on his own and they play the Flight of the Concord song. And it's like, oh, it's strange to be putting in a, a cartoon movie. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. Bits of it are, are very funny. It's enjoyable. It's not too long, which is a good thing. Yep. And yeah, it was it was fun to watch. Something else I did watch the other day, I watched Wrath of the Titans because I only recently just watched Clash of the Titans, which I was warned off by many people. And justifiably <coughs> so, it wasn't very good, but it was on. And I just I only wanted to see it because I wanted to see Liam Neeson say, release the Kraken. That's all I wanted to see. So I saw that line, it was fun. So I thought, oh, how bad can the second one be? And it's a lot better. And it has okay. got Bill dying in it. Oh, really? <laughs> so he's, he's in everything. Mm. Who's, who's the guy in it? The guy Sam Worthington? Sam Worthington does his best Mel Gibson impersonation. He doesn't even try and cover his accent in the second one. He's just Australian. Well, doesn't, he doesn't and cover his accent in the first one. Yeah, and he sounds like Max Rokotansky from Mad Max. Oh, okay. The way he talks, it's just like, okay, you're not even trying anymore. In the first one, there's a couple of scenes he tried. But special effects were amazing. I'm like, I've got to say that. Forget the plot and the pacing and all that, the first one. It did look okay. And the second one looked better. Actually, I do remember the scene where they're fighting the giant scorpions in the first one. And that looked good. Mm. 
But yeah, the rest of the movie I, I wouldn't recommend. Yeah, second one better, and okay. I, like, you could probably see it without seeing the first one if you really wanted to. It doesn't really matter because, to be honest, I got a phone call in the middle of the first one. I missed a lot of it and didn't miss anything. <laughs> I did have to ask my wife a couple of times, "What's that person? What's that doing?" But it didn't matter because they changed actresses anyway between the first and second film because you couldn't come back. So okay. it didn't matter. But if you if you want a brainless visual feast, do it. But if you want to see like kick-ass Greek gods fighting, watch Immortals. <laughs> It's even yeah. better. Or The Expendables. Well, there's no Greek gods in The Expendables, is it? No, maybe the third one. <laughs> Just Italian stallions. Yes, with lots of plastic. Denise Liam Neeson in The Expendables 3. Yeah, that might work. That'd be awesome. <laughs> he has a career, I don't think it would work. True. Well, other than those, I have actually succumbed to a bit of peer pressure. Yes. And based on the fact that I've been playing... you got a belly ring, no? No. Yeah. Based on the fact that I've been playing the Lego Harry Potter games, I finally bit the bullet and decided that I should watch the Harry Potter movies. Oh, 2001 called. It did. They're welcoming you. And my wife <laughs> danced a little jig of happiness because she's finally got me to watch a Harry Potter movie. So I've watched two now. I've watched the first two. Now, does she have to watch Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth? I keep telling her she needs to watch The Room, but you know, <laughs> she's not in that deal. I don't know. I, like, she tried to convince me that we should jump right into the third Harry Potter movie and not worry about the first two. Oh, you've got to start from the start. But yeah, that's what I said. i got to start from the start. And having played the Lego Harry Potter game all the way through the first one, it's interesting to sit there and go, you know, there's big plot points in the movie coming up, and I'm like, oh, this is where he's going to fight the giant snake, or this is where they're going to have the chess game, or whatever. Spoilers for people like me that haven't seen it. <laughs> And it, it was good. I really enjoyed it. I, like, I, I liked it more than I thought I would. And my wife's trying to convince me that he's not a very good actor in the first movie because he's only a child. But I think that was what the charm of the movie was. But I know you're a big fan of the movies, Mitch. You've seen oh, all of the Harry Well, Potter's. I read the first book and then they were making the movies and I stopped reading the books because I didn't have to anymore. Yeah. And they were fun. I went and saw each one at the cinemas. My wife and my sister loved them. Like, they went, kept reading the books, so they kept doing it. Yeah. Yeah, we were always out there the opening day or opening weekend, at least. And they were a lot of fun. I've never gone and rewatched any. Yeah. But, a little bragging story here, I end up watching the third film with Anthony and Fleet from the Chili Peppers. That's right, when you were in London. Oh, we were in London, and the third movie was out, so we go, it was one night we were in there, it's like, do you want to go to the movies? It's like, yeah, all right. So, we're ordering our tickets, and behind me, there's two dudes and these two girls, and and they felt like smackies or something. They were just a bit <laughs> funny, and I was a bit concerned. And ordered the tickets, and as I walked away, I realised that's Anthony and Flea buying tickets to Harry Potter. <laughs> so uh, I watched the movies with those guys. Did you share some popcorn? Yeah, I put my lily to the bottom of the packet <laughs> and waited to take it. Well, we're definitely earning the explicit tonight, <laughs> aren't we? Yeah, well, I must say, I did enjoy the first movie more than the second movie. The first movie, quite surprisingly, I actually sat and watched without having my iPad and getting distracted. I actually sat there for the whole two hours and didn't move. But the second movie, with about halfway through, I was up and wanting about and making cups of tea and sort of, you know, uh, losing ready, the plot a little bit. You're ready for the sixth film. You'll need your iPad. Yeah. Have you seen them, Joel? Not a one. Okay. Yeah, are you a fantasy sort of person, though, Joel? Not at all. The Lord of the Rings, I haven't seen. Harry Potter, I haven't seen. Flash of the Titans, which you mentioned, haven't seen. What about Jason the Argonauts? No. You haven't seen that? All right, no, no, no. <laughs> Out. No. <laughs> fantasy films just don't appeal to me. I don't know what it is. I don't, like, I prefer films set in the 20th century. Anything before that, I kind of miss the boat with. Harry Potter set in the 20th century. Yeah, true. <laughs> but the one thing that Harry Potter had was it was such a success when they made it, and even though the acting could have been a little substandard at the start, which I didn't notice, I thought it was fine, but they spent the money. Yeah. Like, it wasn't cheap, and they knew that they could have gone cheap and made a fortune, but they actually spent the money to make the best movie they could with the special effects at the time, and it looks impressive. It does. It, like, even the Quidditch games and stuff still kind of hold up. They're exciting. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love a good sports movie, and there was a good moment. Like, the, it was directed quite well, and they made the sport seem real enough, and you sort of got into it, and... It was kind of exciting. Yeah, the effects are good. And I think as well when you say that they spent the money. In the first one, the main characters of the kids, they're nobodies. But they get the big actors for the other Everyone characters. Else. Yeah, all the teachers. And I think that's what really helps is the fact that the kids are unknown quantities, but they're acting against good quality actors, yep. which really helps. Mr. Potter. Yeah. Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Rickman was probably my favourite of the teachers. Well, so far, anyway, I said I'm only two movies in. Oh, you're in for a treat. There's good stuff coming. Sixth is a slog, but yeah, they're good. Mm. Well, we may as well jump into gaming now, because I finished the first Harry Potter game on the Lego Harry Potter, and I'm now two-thirds of the way through the second Harry Potter game. And all the little, like, animated cutscenes and the funny little clips and stuff kind of make sense now. And strangely, I've been playing the games and my wife's been sitting there going, does this mean anything to you? And I'm like, no, it's just a Lego game, really. It's a really. game, yeah. 
So yes, but yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm now playing the second Lego Harry Potter, and I've also been playing a little bit of another cheesy game on the Xbox 360, which is Puzzle Quest, and you kind of recommended that I probably should have got the iPad version rather than the Xbox yeah, version. probably cheaper. Well, probably would have been, but I picked it up fairly cheap. I think it was two or three weeks ago they had the deal of the week on Xbox, and they had Puzzle Quest for half price, so I picked it up. And strangely, before that, we, we talked about this last month, that after I finished Borderlands 2, I hadn't really been playing anything on the Xbox. And then all of a sudden, this little cheesy puzzle game has come up, and now I'm kind of addicted to that again. And I've also been playing a bunch of other stuff, too. Well, it's so an it's, RPG version of Bejeweled, basically. Yeah, it's, I don't really know what you'd call it. it it's a simple match three game. With RPG Just, elements. Yeah, the RPG elements, the fact that you've got your extra spells. It's just addictive. I had it on my DS years ago, and I played lots on it. And then, yeah, I didn't have an iPad at the time. When I went to the States and caught up with a friend, he had it on his iPad, and I had my DS at the time, so we like swapping it with each other. You played on mine, I played on it. And I got back into it again. Hadn't touched it for two years, and then again, and then I played it the whole rest of the trip while I was in America. So it is addictive, I can yeah. vouch for that. Especially when it's portable. You've got yeah. all the Xbox. I mean, you have to be in front of it to play it when you take it with you. <laughs> It's sort of, it's even worse. Be lucky it's not on your iPad, actually. Yes. Well, that's probably a good thing. Are you much of a gamer, John? No, not really. I inherited my Xbox 360 from you. Well, that's true. Yes, when I got my Slim, I gave you my old one. Yeah, and I've barely turned it on. (laughs) (laughs) But lately, I've been playing Super Nintendo ROMs, so that's where my gaming habits are at the moment. Last night, I sat and started Double Dragon 2 and finished Double Dragon 2 in the space of about three hours. Three hours? How many coins? did you go through 27 pieces no I think I had via credit continues and went through four of them well, finished the game and it was the most tedious <laughs> painful game with no satisfaction from and at the end you get it. a kiss from the girl no no that's in the first one I think. oh in Double Dragon 2 you kill the final bad guy he goes to the credits where you have a whole bunch of Japanese programmers names and then it says Double Dragon 2 the end totally unsatisfying way to spend <laughs> three hours achievement unlocked <laughs> not on an emulator no, no. so you're not going to do that again no I'll just plug in one of the other 700 games I've got <laughs> that will probably end equally unsatisfying well I remember I, with a friend of mine because I buy all the as I've said before all the crappy comic related games I had the Fantastic Four game for the Playstation and a friend and I sat there for three hours to work out through it. It's pretty much Double Dragon. It's side-scrolling. It's 3D graphics, but you're still a side-scrolling beat-em-up with the Fantastic Four characters. It glitched on us about 70% of the way through after three hours. Four weeks later, we, uh, we'll have another go. And it glitched at exactly the same spot. So it's never finished and, again, an unsatisfactory ending. <laughs> we never tried again. Mm. It's because it was such a shit game to sit through, but because we are, you know, comic geeks and completists, it's like, we are going to finish and see how this ends, and it was terrible. Mm. That must have been the start of my bad comic game plan. It must have been. Mm. It's funny, though, because it was about this time last year, I think, Joel, that we sat and tried to play the Streets of Rage collection at my place on the, uh, was it Sega collection on the Xbox? And I think we got about halfway through and just went no we can't do this anymore well friend from work she was over the other week and I showed her Transformers and she goes that's just too much going on there that's just too busy it's like more an old game and she was trying to work out what game she used to play and it was Streets of Rage we worked out so on the weekend she brought it up with a friend she was talking about who she used to play it with and they turned it into a drinking game so you know how when you've got to fight guys and then a little go comes up on the screen which means you can keep moving forward every time go comes up you take a shot (laughs) they finished it they completed it and they were pissed by it Yep. By the end, so there you go. That's what you need to do. <laughs> oh, third game I was playing, not really a drinking game. It was trying to relate the characters in Double Dragon 2 to the film from 1994 <laughs> starring Scott Wolf and Marcus Astor and Alyssa Milano. I was about to say, is Alyssa Milano is in that as well? Okay. Okay. I have not seen, I have seen the Harry Potter films and Lord of the Rings, but I have not seen Double Dragon. I, I have that on DVD. I, I should <laughs> <let> <laughs> DVD. It's almost as tedious as Double Dragon 2, the game. Okay. It's not sure if it wants to be a comedy or an action film and fails on both levels. Awesome. Well, not quite as old as Double Dragon. You've actually been playing a couple of older titles, Mitch. I have. Like we said, we'd finished Borderlands, which is a good 30 hours, I think. So I wanted something short and I borrowed Call of Duty, was it 4 Modern Warfare 1 or whatever yeah. suffix it is. You said it's about 7 hours. It's like, I, I can do was, that. Yeah. I can shoot people for 7 hours. And I did. It was quite rewarding. There was some really nice level design in there. Like the Chernobyl level where you're running around in little camouflage suits and sniping people. It was 
That was pretty awesome, actually. And you actually scared. There's one point where you're crawling through the grass and there's soldiers walking towards you in tanks. And it's just like, hide here and hope they don't run over you. Yeah. And they ran over me oh, okay. the first time. But the second time, was, was, that was really effective. It was a really yeah. good design. But I didn't even bother with the online. I, I, yeah. I don't want my ass handed to me. So I, I finished that, got that out of the way. And I've been playing some Pro Street, which is Need for Speed, which I got when I got my Xbox in 2007. Have you finished that now? I have. It's okay. taken me five years. So I, I, I think we've mentioned it on about five episodes of the podcast now so no more need for speed no more need for speed it's finished congratulations on that yes so now I have finally started Mass Effect 2 so I am getting close I'm only like three years behind on gaming now but awesome at least you're not two decades behind (laughs) I think mine's well actually talking about Mass Effect it's probably got a worse ending going by the internet (laughs) and the complaints (laughs) and the bad letters that caused to change the ending yeah, so I'm five, six hours into Mass Effect 2, and I remember why I liked the first one so much. It's slow. When you learn, not learning the maps like in Waterlands, you've got to learn the layout of the spaceships you're on. You're walking around trying to find things, and at the start there's just so much. You're gathering missions and side missions and information. And as you get into the game, that opens up more, and then you've got to go find all this stuff, but then it gets smaller at the end, obviously, when you finish all the missions and it comes to a point. But just such a solid game. It's just, yes, I do like Mass Effect and the second one's crisper than the first one. Oh, graphics is so much better. Now, this is all Xbox, obviously. PC, people would probably be throwing things at their iPods now going, oh, you don't even know what you're looking at. Yeah. But much better to look at. I know I do have friends who played it on the PC and they hate console gamers for what they did to Mass Effect because the first one very much was a PC game that was ported to a Xbox and the second one was designed for a console more. So it's, it controls more like a Gears of War. Well, it's on the Unreal that. Engine as well, isn't it? Yeah, so you've got your more cover system. It's more a shooter that works well with a Xbox controller as opposed to keyboard and mouse. Yeah. It was dumbed down as far as a lot of PC people call it. For me, it's great because I don't game on my PC. So I could understand their frustration because from all reports, gaming on a PC is better and using keyboard and mouse is so much better for those third-person shooters. And downloading drivers and patches. Oh, heaps of fun. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah, so talk to me in six months' time when I finish this one. And yeah. then you can move on to Mass Effect 3. I could, I could. Yes. Yes. Well, other than gaming, TV-wise, Mitch, anything interesting? Well, last episode, we were so happy about the Valleys. We were all excited. We were ready to watch the last episode of the Valleys, and fuck, did that piss me off. Yeah, that final episode was a real letdown, wasn't it? Now, we never really understood the point of the Valleys. Like, there was no game show element to it. Like, there were people moving from the Valleys to Cardiff to try and get a step up in life. Like we said, one guy wanted to be a DJ, one wanted to be a rapper, a couple wanted to be models... It was all well and good, but there was no guarantee at the end. There was no job at the end. It was sort of like this chance to prove anything. And the show went through talking about this one night at a nightclub where one guy was going to rap, one was going to DJ, one guy was going to kickbox live, as you do in a nightclub. And it all sort of happened. It was like this big happy ending. Like, everyone succeeded. No one failed. And it was sort of like, you sort of watched this show wanting half of them to fail because you didn't really like them. And there was this, I mean, misogynist asshole who just talked about banging chicks the whole time. For the whole time, he wanted to bang this one girl and it never happened. And it was just like, oh, I'm going to get her, I'm going to get her, and tonight's the night. And the last episode, he did. Yeah. And it was sort of like this big achievement, and well done, he won. And she, and it was just really... Yeah, it was a bit of a letdown. It was it? sort of sad and bad and, I don't know, rewarding persistence in you know, wearing down... It was not cool. Like, I liked it when I was laughing at them and joking, but I wanted them all to fail at the end. And, <laughs> and none of them did. And it was, yeah, kind of shit. Mm. And then we watched Geordie Shaw on the back of this thing. Well, it was kind of fun. The characters were fun. I think it's got the same script writers. It's and I say script similar, writing because I think they're prompted. And it's that whole sort of shoot a little bit in the house and then have them sitting down in front of the camera and doing their quick one-liners and talking about things. And, and it's just so it similar. It sounded so similar notish. Like, yeah. we're actually watching, oh, that's a Chigi line. And yeah, that's a, this and line. And it just, like, the producers are giving, telling them what to say. And it's the same producer from the other show because it just sounded so similar. Now, you're lucky enough not to have seen any of these. Is that right? Absolutely. <laughs> Unfortunately, my reality does not compute with uh, reality TV. My reality is sitting at home watching good TV. <laughs> yes. well, speaking of good TV, I've finally finished Breaking Bad. And I've only been encouraging you two to watch it for the past three years. I've got the valleys to watch, man. <laughs> Just give it time. So, yes, yeah, so I've finally caught up on Breaking Bad, so that's all good. I'm, yeah. I'm still slowly working through. Yes. And you're trying to get me to watch Sons of Anarchy? 
Absolutely. Sons of Anarchy, as many of the listeners will probably know, because they probably watch good TV as well, (laughs) it's about a bikey gang and the sort of the family structure of the gang, the struggles of what they're trying to achieve. I don't really want to give anything away. Yeah, it's like the personality development of other characters as they move into different areas of their lives and things like that. I highly recommend watching it, which you guys will eventually do in like 2017. Well, probably the way we go with things. I don't know. (laughs) Who's in the job? An English actor called Charlie Hunnam is the star of it. Beast from Beauty and the Beast is in it. Yeah, Ron Ron Perlman. Perlman. And Leela from... Yeah, uh, Futurama. Katie Seagal. <laughs> don't or, I think I've seen Ron Perlman in anything that he hasn't worn makeup in? Like, he's in Hellboy, isn't he? He's yeah. in Hellboy. Alien 3. No, Alien wear, 4, sorry. Did he wear makeup in that? No. Oh, there you go. I haven't seen that. City of Lost Children? All right. So he is in other things other than things where he dresses up in makeup. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Scorpion King 46 or something <laughs> like that. One of the Starship Rams. Starship Troopers. Two or three, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. So obviously I'd, I'm not a big fan of Rod Perlman and I don't know his body of work, so yes. Well, you have sold it up and I have eventually will probably watch it. I think they're only, what, five seasons in? Yeah, yeah. I think they've got the sort of story span set out for seven seasons. So, yeah, it's got, definitely going places. You can see it sort of coming to a point where you know they're not going to be able to go too much further with it. Okay. They've got a great way of making the unpredictable happen. Stars of the show being, you know, forced to leave, things like that. Okay. Mitch, you watched Oz. I I love Oz. That's what I said to you. I mean, as much as I I am interested in the show, but I know Oz is good, and I'm more interested in a rewatch of Oz than I am in watching a Sons of... starting a Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. It's just similar in the fact that Oz is unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. A main character will get wiped out in the first episode. That sort of structure of it. Mm -hmm. And it's created by Kurt Sutter, who also did The Shield. Which I haven't. No. Yeah, too many shows like The Valley. And- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. It's like you could either sit down and get engrossed and watch something that you know you need to pay attention to, or you can watch something like The Valleys while you're playing on your iPad and not really care about whether you miss anything. Yes. Awesome, so great programs but like The Wire and yes. The Shield, Sons of Anarchy. I'm surprised you even got into Breaking Bad. Well, it did take me, what, five years before I picked it up? Yeah. I just started Misfits this week, which I'm only four seasons behind. <laughs> so, and it's about superheroes. It's right up my alley, and it's all been sitting on my computer for since the first episode. I watched the first five minutes going, this looks good, I'll get around to this. Mm. And only last week did I, thanks to Mass Effect, because I'm playing a long game again, so I can start watching things on my computer while I'm playing games. But notice we can't forget either. Another show you actually do watch? I do, from the get-go. I have Bruce Campbell, that's the only reason I watch it from the start. It's the cross between MacGyver meets Miami Vice meets the a It's the ultimate 80s show. <laughs> and it's a fun ride. Are you still watching Psych? Yeah, it's just not on the moment. Yeah. But that's probably my, I wouldn't say it's my favourite show, but it's up there. Yeah. I just, it's like it's written for me. The thing about the show is it's, I don't know about Joel, because you're a bit younger than me, but the characters itself, uh, or the main two, they just banter between the two. Like, the crimes are irrelevant. It's just the shit they say between each other, just little in-jokes and things like that. That's what make it work for me. Yeah. And yeah, I, I do love Psych. And the thing with Psych is, the characters, originally, uh, Gus was a lot more uptight, but they've sort of let his character develop in the way that he actually is in on the joke, rather than being the butt of it. Yeah. So, even though a lot of the comments are at his expense, he... He plays along. Yeah, freely acknowledges Like. It. It, the thing is, Sean, the main guy, Sean, is pretending to be a psych. Like, he's a, he's the mentalist, basically, from before the mentalist. He's super observant, but he pretends to be psychic, so he uses his powers of observation, but pretends they're psychic visions. Yeah. And he has his best mate, Gus, with him. And he always introduces himself with some um, stupid name, and he introduces Gus with an even stupider name. Like, Gee Buttersnaps is my favourite <laughs> name he's used. And he just comes up with stupid scenarios, why they're there, or what their job is, and stuff like that. And the more obscure, sort of, he introduces as Gus, the more he'll play along. <laughs> and it's just... It, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. Like, these guys are obviously friends. Well, if they're not, they're bloody good actors. Yeah. And they just get along so well, and it's just it's just fun. Mm. But I, it's a hard one to recommend in that way. That sort of like It just taps into me perfectly. Joel obviously got it as well, but I can't say why. Yeah, I, I only watched the first couple of episodes, and then I kind of drifted off. So maybe I should go back to that. I don't know if it didn't. It's pretty much the same show as it was in that first few episodes. Well, I wasn't. I don't know if it was that I, it didn't grab me. It's just that I had other stuff I was watching at the time, and I didn't really have time to pick up a new show. 
The yeah. thing with Psych is that most episodes are independent of one another, so you can jump in anywhere. All in all, you can watch the show from any point. Well, maybe I should give that another go. Well, I mean, this thing is, there's one episode which I enjoyed at the time, but then I went and watched all the Twin Peaks recently, and they did one called Jewel Spires, and it was a Twin Peaks episode, and they had seven actors from Twin Peaks on it, and the jokes in it were amazing, like what they did with it, and how a... a, a tribute to Twin Peaks that was amazing going back and watching it. I've watched it three times since. It's that good. Like, I loved it. But there's episodes where he's gone back to his school prom and the amount of jokes he does from John Hughes films. Yeah. And stuff like that. So, it's it's a very 80s retro show in that way that these guys are our age and therefore doing jokes tailored to people. Well, it's all about the in-jokes and the references, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, for me it is. Yeah. Because the crimes itself are irrelevant. And a lot of weird cameos. Well, not cameos, but guest stars. Guest stars. Well, well that kind yeah. of segues into the next thing we're going to talk about because John Cena was actually a guest star on Psych, wasn't he? He was. And that actually brings us into our topic for this month, mm-hmm. which is movie starring wrestlers. Now, just a bit of background information here that we've mentioned on the show a couple of times, I think, that Mitch and I were wrestlers, and we actually know Joel through wrestling. So we met Joel when we first started training wrestling, and we've been in a a few shows and events together. So who better to have on as a guest this month when we talk about movie starring wrestlers than another former wrestler who also likes watching movies? Yeah, uh, you said a wrestler. That would have been (laughs) a good Well, we got ourselves wrestlers too, so we've got a loose term or whatever. (laughs) But we we thought we'd, we'd go through and we looked at some of the best better performances by wrestlers in movies like we we could go on for hours talking about cameos and bit parts that wrestlers do in movies but we thought we'd concentrate more on the good movies that actually have a wrestler in yeah either in a fairly major role or the the top billing role so not rocky three with like a five minute cameo of hulk hogan well i I don't know but hulk hogan's recent acting performance or his (laughs) His recent film performance is probably the, the he best. He shouldn't have had that shrimp. <laughs> but he was awesome. Uh, <laughs> so yes, we, we probably won't go too far into uh, the latest Hulk Hogan film that's floating around on that's the internet. Paranormal, Paranormal Activity 4, isn't it? Oh, I think it's so. got that hidden camera thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the Hulk Hogan sex tape. Don't Google it. No. You, you probably shouldn't. If you're our age and you're a wrestling fan when you were younger... <laughs> it's one of those things that really rapes your childhood and, you know, saying your prayers and taking your vitamins is a completely different meaning now. <laughs> but Hulk Hogan aside, we, we've gone well, back... Let's start and, with Hulk. Let's talk about his films. Besides this latest one. Well, I thought we were going to talk about good movies with wrestlers in. Oh, uh, I like... No Hulk's no bad. Hulk's bad. That's fine. It was no but, Suburban Commando, though. But did you say Dookie? <laughs> <laughs> no. But Christopher Lloyd referring to Hulk Hogan as Darth Vader. Look, Darth, <laughs> I want you out of my house. Get out. I mean, Suburban Commando actually was fun. Like, it, it's not a boring film. It, it moves along at a nice pace and you're out of there. It, it's a kid's film for its day. It was actually fun. Like, there's a lot of Hulk Hogan films that aren't. That you we could, could name them now. <laughs> <laughs> Santa with Muscles. <laughs> Three what? Ninjas 2. I need to make him out. Yeah, I need to make him out. Something he like shaved that. his moustache for Three Ninjas. No, he shaved his moustache for Secret Agent Club. Secret Agent oh, did he? Yes, yeah, he where he's, got a, he's, he's playing two roles. Oh. And he has a missing for that. Is one of them a bad guy? No, no, no. His it's twin a... brother with the, the evil facial hair? No, no, no. I think he's got the, the secret agent character and the, his real-life scenario character. Oh, okay. From memory. Hmm. Yes, I have seen it, but not The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on from Hulk. We've, yeah, we've done his best body worker, right? No, we haven't. We've totally dismissed Thunder in Paradise. But that's, we'll that's, that's TV. That's TV. We're talking about movie starring wrestling. It was a movie originally. There was no night boat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Hulk Hogan, obviously an 80s icon in wrestling, mm-hmm. and he would never have got anywhere if it wasn't for his arch nemesis, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Who is by far the better actor. Yes. And possibly one of the best movie starring wrestlers. You'd have to not go past They Live. No, I think it's, it's the one. I mean, the thing with that Roddy's been in a couple of films, and a lot of really bad ones. And the problem with Roddy Piper is I love Roddy going on his rants and being over the top and doing being Rowdy Roddy Piper. What, what directors don't do is use that. Yeah, you but, sort of get him as a brooding cop in things. It's like, don't have him brood. What did they live? He's basically just this wandering loner that doesn't talk much. But he, he's got that sense of humour, that, that wryness that Rowdy had. You know, yeah. He's put in a situation where, oh, fuck this. <laughs> and they live as an awesome film. Well, it's a John Carpenter film, so it's got to be good. Yeah, and I don't know why they didn't use Kurt Russell, but hey, I'm glad they used Rowdy. And Keith David? David Keith. David. <laughs> <laughs> Keith David is the black guy. David Keith right. is, is the white guy. Yeah, Jack Harkman from Major League Two. All right. So, okay. 
Damien Keith. Damien Keith. <laughs> when we were discussing this the other day, we were, we were Googling. I had to, to Google because I, I still confused. We, I t- started typing Keith David or David Keith. I can't remember which one. And David Guetta came up for some reason <laughs> in IMDb. So I'm now even more confused. Yes. But Joel and I actually went back and, and rewatched They Live just recently. And it still holds up. It's very 80s in certain parts. It's got that synthesizer soundtrack from The John music's Carpenter. awesome. The music's very similar to, like, almost Blade Runner-ish. Well, John Carpenter does the music, but anyway, he's a yeah, lot yeah, of synth work. Yeah, yeah, soundtrack for They Live. But the fight scene in They Live has Long. to be the best fight scene in a movie. Seven minutes? It, it, it seemed longer when I was a kid, I think. Like, watching it again now, I was like, oh, here comes the long fight scene, and it didn't really feel as long as it did. It's like five minutes and 18 or something like that. Exactly. And he gets to throw in a couple of wrestling moves in his fight scene, so I was happy with that. Yeah, speaking of Roddy, I mean, you did swear by me there's a great movie called Immortal Combat. And with Sonny Chiba. With Sonny Chiba, with Roddy Piper, and it's like, I'm going to watch this movie because you said it's awesome. Awesome's a stretch. <laughs> And at the time, I thought, what is this? But I actually downloaded it again recently just to give it another go. And Roddy did actually get to be Roddy. He was sort of a fast-talking, confident person. So he was. Still not a great film. straight-to-video, cheap, but it was a bit of fun. And Hell Comes to Frogtown? Which is a classic. Again, not really being Roddy Piper. It's a film starring him where he's not the main focus, I found. There was more the story sort of... Well, I tried. I mean, it was Mad Max-ish in a way with the mutated frogs. And he's like the... He's the last sterile man. Sterile? No. Fertile. Fertile man. <laughs> he's a lot, like one of the last fertile men left and he's got to be... His, his nads have to be protected, basically. <laughs> and strange film. Like a lot of... A lot of very in jokey, very eighties in a way. Mm. Eh, I liked it at the time. I haven't rewatched, so I don't know how it holds up. But I always hoped Roddy would go on to bigger and better things. Unfortunately, he didn't. No, yeah, he kind of had that whole "I'm going to leave wrestling and be an actor," and he just ended up going well, he was back in the to pilot wrestling. of Highwayman. Yeah, the thing with Jacko. But he was a bit of a string actor in that. Yeah, he was, the, he was a bad guy, so it was only going to be for the one episode anyway. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame because he was a standout. I think so. But, but there is one from that era who did, actually. He's got movies that are considered sort of classics. He's a friend of Arnie. He carried a big minigun in Predator. Well, that's true. Jesse the Body Ventura. Like, he, he got a, almost a cameo role in Running Man. It was a fairly serious role, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was sort of like at the end. It wasn't a... Yeah. Oh, he was throughout it. Whereas, was he the game show? No. No, he was like the bad, big bad guy who had to fight at the end. And yeah. then he chose not to, and they computer generated a version of him in there. But yeah. it was a smaller, not a major, it was a different role, but... Like, but in Predator, is his, his... Ain't got time to bleed line's probably the best line in Predator, isn't it? It was. Oh, I went and saw it at the Aston not long ago when it got a round of applause. That yep. that from the audience, they uh, ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> and they're carrying that big fuck-off gun and just blowing down the jungle. He, he's just awesome. Yeah. Predator was the first video I ever hired on my own at six years of age. <laughs> I went down to the local milk bar in Rutherglen where they had videos. I hired Predator to watch for myself and Barbie for my sister. Sure you did. I did. (laughs) (laughs) What was Predator rated? Wasn't it an R-rated movie? It was rated M. Oh, rated M. So six-year-olds. It's fine. As long as it's not MA. It was a country. (laughs) MA didn't even exist in that day. Did they have NRC? Not recommended for children. Do you remember when they had that? No. Uh, Maybe when you were in Wales. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Now, we mentioned that Roddy Piper had a, a bit of a letdown in the fact that he's a very promo-heavy wrestler and he didn't get to be a character on the screen. Like we recently watched The Marine with John Cena, and John Cena's another one of those that is a real good talker on the microphone, and in that movie he really didn't get to say a lot. He gets to run after things a lot. Robert Patrick is fucking awesome in that, though. How much scenery did he chew in that movie? Oh, it was worth it. It was, wasn't it? It was worth it. And the explosions. Big fuck-off explosions. It's like almost a parody of action movies, the fact that anything that possibly could explode... It was kind of 80s in exploded. its feel. Expendables, maybe. I don't know. Like, I, don't, I don't know. They, they blew up the petrol station. They blew up... Everything you went near. A police car. Up. Later on in the movie, they blow up this shack that appears to have no source of being able to blow up. <laughs> and the slow-mo blowing up and John Cena just walking out of the flames was, was good. And in that strange sort of surreal moment, when he's in one of those fight scenes, he pulls out probably the best choke slam I've ever seen John Cena do. Like, I've never seen John Cena do a choke slam when he's been wrestling. 
Well, it's not his move. You know how the wrestling no. works. You can't do someone else's move. But choke slamming that dude through those crates was probably the highlight of the movie for me. The Marine was an interesting film in it was almost tongue in cheek, but they almost they tried to come across as serious. Well, with I mean that's the way to work it. If you want to do a tongue in cheek, you've got to play it straight. And they sort of did that, but it was almost too good straight to be ho- it was strange. Yeah. It's a weird one. It very felt like an eighties film well, in so many ways. His wife's haircut was definitely an eighties film. That's haircut. true, it was. Maybe that was a clue. And she was wearing a jean jacket at one stage as well, wasn't she? Yeah, double denim's fine. It's coming back in. Yeah. <laughs> the John Cena's been in a couple of other movies. 12 yeah. Rounds isn't a bad movie. It's a, it's a that. good action film. But I, I like the scene in 12 Rounds where he's trying to stop the runaway tram that's mm. coming down the hill. Can't remember it, to be honest. That yeah, was probably the, the best bit of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably... Uh, depends. I mean, if, if Expendables was bigger, he... He's got more of a chance of getting movie because yeah. if those if the Expendables movies were bigger, Hollywood would start making those sort of films again, yeah. and he would be a perfect person for the typical Arnie sort of roles. Yeah. But I just don't think they're making those films. And the other thing as well is a lot of the movies these days starring wrestlers are produced by WWE films. Oh man, there's some dogs. I've watched <laughs> Triple H is in one and I can't remember it. I just looked it up and I've already forgotten it. The but Custodian or something, was it? Oh the no, he was in the, the Chaperone, which was a the comedy yeah. where he plays a ex-crim who comes out and he chaperones his daughter's school excursion or something and I'm sure hilarity ensues. Inside Out. And again, Triple H has got an intensity. Like, he shows it a little bit in Blade Trinity. You know, he, he plays a big guy who's a, a force of nature or, you know, a threat. He can do that. In this, he plays a crim just got out of jail. There's a bit of a theme here. And he sort of wants to go straight and he goes, catches up with his mate and then gets embroiled in some shit. And it's not even funny. It's not exciting. It's just boring. It's like, how do these filmmakers make these movies? At some point, someone's got to say, you know what, this is really fucking dull. Because nothing is exciting. It's trying to be cool. They're trying to get actors to act. I mean, Michael Rappaport and Parker Posey can act. I mean, but they look terrible in this. It's just sort of like, I don't know what's happened to their careers just collecting a paycheck well they are and it's just like why's and how and just weird maybe they needed a new boat maybe <laughs> I mean yeah so I mean, that's a terrible film yeah. with a lot of these WWE ones and Stone Cold Steve Austin we can get on to next who has done some really good stuff and man he's done some dogs too and again there's one called Knockout which is essentially Karate Kid but with him as a boxing instructor he's the janitor at a school and this kid comes to the new school and he's being bullied so he gets taught by the janitor to box and he fights a kid in a tournament at the end it's Karate Kid this should be fucking awesome a Stone Cold Steve Austin with the Karate Kid plot it's dull as shit <laughs> and so like he doesn't even get to be Austin well that was the trouble with was it damage damages oh the, yes he just he was like this brooding ex-con Ex-crim that, who cut out of jail <laughs> the, was the, the victim's wife or something yeah he wanted to owe it to he killed a man so he wanted to owe it to the wife and child of the man he killed when he got out of jail. So he ends up going to this underground fighting ring to earn the money to pay for the kid's treatment or something. Save the clubhouse. I don't know. <laughs> and it's just dull. Underground fighting should be exciting and it's not. No characters were likable. And he only has one moment where he's Austin. Where, you know, he's in the middle of this fight. He's getting the crap beat out of him and he's trying to come back. And he's sort of ring man who's a swarmy jerk. Sort of goes, get in there and hit him. And he just gives him a look. It's typical Stone Cold Austin where it's like... Don't tell me what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why did you do that for the rest of moment. the movie? It's like when The Rock was in Scorpion King. I oh, know the Mummy Two. Mummy, Mummy Returns. Yeah. yeah, where you know he didn't do anything rock-like, which we were expecting, but obviously he's playing a character. Yeah. You know, it was close up with the CG Scorpion version of him. Looks up at the camera and on his face, I thought, do the people's eyebrow? And they didn't. No. That was probably smart looking back now. At the time, I was disappointed. But, yeah. Yeah, but Stone Cold, his best work is probably Condemned. Condemned, the condemned yeah. second bill, I suppose, behind Vinnie Jones. No, he's top bill. Oh, he's top bill. Yeah, surprising considering Vinnie Jones, I would say, would be the bigger actor. But at, at the time, I don't think Vinnie Jones was that bigger actor. Was okay, he? but definitely, have you seen it, Joe? The condemned. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. Again, I don't know that Austin's charisma works for a, as a leading man. I think it works better as a sort of your protagonist, yeah. I guess. Well, he's great in Expendables. Yeah. Because um, you like to hate him. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know what yeah. happened. And he got to beat up Sly. It was awesome. Yeah. Not a big role, but uh, The Longest Yard, where he's the racist uh, well, I was gonna, prison guard. I was going to say that's probably one of the better ones, and that's got a lot of wrestlers in that. Yeah. Because you've got, oh, Kevin Nash is absolutely awesome in that one. Yeah. 
Who else is in that? Greg Carly, Goldberg. Goldberg. Bob Sapp, even though he's not really a wrestler, he's a MMA guy. Mm. But yeah, Austin, you've got to get the character right. And the thing is, I'm used to the character that I've seen on res- the wrestling for whatever. But yeah. the thing That's is, what I want to see. Austin is an arsehole in wrestling. Mm. And you can't really have an arsehole leading man in film. All Han Solo is pretty good. <laughs> But he's a second character. Oh, he's a lovable rogue. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, whereas Austin is just an asshole. But when he went comedy for a while there, he he did it really well. And that's what I was hoping Knockout might be. I mean, he could have a lot of fun as a kid's film. And it was quite serious. Like, Miyagi was so much more fun than the character Austin portrayed in this movie. Yeah. And it's not his fault. It's the script and the director and everything. But whether he has much input saying, oh, I really want to play this serious, I don't know. Or I'm surprised because I know him from wrestling and I've, I've followed his career from, you know, his WWE career or WWF back then. I was hoping so much more for him. And yeah. then you see him in a new movie and it's like, I'll give this one a go. And then it turns out to be nothing. It's like, there's better roles than this. Why are you taking this one? But if they're the only ones they're offering, obviously he's not worth having. And I suppose the guy can't walk anymore. But, yeah. but there is one he did, Recoil, I think it's called with Danny Trio. Danny Trio yeah. and again same he sort of plays the brooding protagonist as opposed to the smarmy or the funny confident one Danny Trio chews up scenery he's great because he's playing the bad guy it's all good but it's just a, a sort of a dull film again but there is Tactical Force is actually a really good one of these cheap films that he makes a straight to DVD that with Michael Jai White Michael Jai White yes I can recommend that one it's a it's a fun action film but he's like the leader of a SWAT team who are on manoeuvres with blanks sort of practising in a abandoned warehouse he's sort of training facility and then these two bad gang sort of groups get together to do an exchange and they get caught in the middle with blanks work their way Billy blanks no not Billy blanks so that would be a really good premise (laughs) (laughs) he could tie by their asses he could Austin actually gets to be a smart ass leader of a group of three like SWAT guys in that and it, it, it's one of the better roles that he's done so Mm. tactical force it's it's worth it compared to some of the others yeah Mm. Well, we, we mentioned him briefly in The Scorpion King, but the wrestler that's probably got the biggest career crossover and is now pretty much an actor would be Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. And one of the excursions that we had earlier last year was the three of us actually went and saw Fast and the Furious 5. And yeah. you talk about roles that people should be all the time. And the role that The Rock plays in Fast 5 is really the role that he was born to play. Absolutely. He's just got that confident charisma, the smart-ass attitude, captures every scene he's in. And he gets to burst through a window and spit glass. It's just like Liam Neeson, I remember a friend was saying, Taken was the first time Liam Neeson got to play his height. Yeah. Because so many times he plays a romantic lead or is this... The guy's six foot fucking four or something, and he's huge, and you don't get that feeling. Qui-Gon Jinn is sort of, but he was just such a Jedi boring character that it didn't work as well. But this is The Rock again. We got to see him in a couple of films teasing what he could be. And it wasn't until Fast Five where we got to see The Rock on screen. Yeah, it's funny because... all he could be. The first couple of movies he was in, he was The Rock. And then he was like Dwayne, Dwayne The Johnson. Rock Johnson. And then he was Dwayne Johnson. And he kind of had a few sort of almost serious films. He tried. I remember a friend when we watched what we call here was... Welcome to the Jungle, but it was called The Rundown in America. Yeah. That was sort of his first leading role. And that was a fun action film with some really nice fight scenes. And he got to kick ass in that, which was great. And then he did Walking Tall. Yeah. It's just him in a two-by-four, which is pretty cool, because one of my friend's favourite genres of film is a guy who's invoking justice with a bit of two-by-four. <laughs> it's a fairly limited genre. I know, but it's a good genre. <laughs> but yeah, as a, another friend... Jace once said, he goes, I want to see a movie where The Rock's not the best thing in it. Because so many times you could see the potential in him as an actor that he is awesome to watch on screen, but the movie itself wasn't. Yeah. But he's picking better roles and he's doing more things. He went through the kiddie route. I was worried for a while there because he sort of did the Vin Diesel and got, what was it? Which one was it? Um, Tooth Tooth Fairy or something. Because Vin Diesel was like hitting a bit and he was pushing and then he did the pacifier and he go, your career's over. Yeah. And The Rock did like Tooth Fairy or... And he did that other one where he was like the retired football player that found out he had a daughter or something. Was, was that like Gridiron of... Gang? No, no. something Plan Grant. So... Yeah. Let me check my If only device. we had some sort of internet device to look it up. So he sort of... I was a bit worried when he did something like Tooth Fairy though. I was like, oh God, what are you doing? And Race to Witch Mountain. It's like, oh... Race to Witch backwards. Mountain's a good film. It's a very kiddie film, but it's got some really good action scenes in it. There's a couple of good car chases. I quite enjoyed that. That's even... Game um, the Game Plan. Game Plan. There you go. I haven't seen that one myself. In fact, I haven't seen Tooth Fairy. Who's in the episode of Hannah Montana? There you go. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He just 
just went from being, you know, a bit of a joke of a character. Like, the Scorpion King was really just a movie for him. Yeah. There, there was no reason to do the Mummy spin-off into the Scorpion King. No, I mean, but he I, was huge in wrestling at the time. The Mummy movie was successful. It's like, let's see how we go here. It was right. obviously a much cheaper film compared to The Mummy. You could tell. Yeah. But he was good in it. Like, he, he showed he had acting chops. I mean, he has taken some risks. He did Southland Tales. Which is I tried watching that on the weekend. I got an hour into it and nothing had happened. And nothing happens after that. <laughs> it's fine. It's... I think everyone that was involved in Southland Towers was taking a risk. He's, though, he's great though. Justin Timberlake's kind of cool. But I mean, the Rocky's acting. Yeah. Like he he he's got the best chance out of most of them yeah. to go through and be something. And you know the fact he took that sort of role. I was like, oh, good on you. Hmm. I mean, it was you know, you, the guy who made Donnie Darko is making this film. It's ambitious. It's big budget. It's like yeah, of course you're gonna say yes to that. Southland Tales felt to me like it was trying to create a world like Blade Runner, but it just missed. Oh, I think it's... I mean, it was a very ambitious film, and the director's like, I, I, I only have one shot at telling this story. I'm going to put everything in it. And it was a lot. And a lot of miscast people in there as well. There was a lot of Saturday Night Live actors playing in crazy, serious roles. Mm-hmm. It was like weird choices. Apparently, like, I'd like to sit down with the director and explain everything to me. <laughs> there is an actuary comic that goes with it, which... Sort of explains it a little, I Isn't think. Isn't there like six graphic novels well, to I, tell the story? Something stupid like that. It's like, if you need that to tell the story, you're doing something wrong. Hmm. But it's ambitious, and I, I do like a spectacular failure sometimes and a safe hit, but yeah, it, it's a hard slog. And yeah, I have not gone back to watch it to give it another go. It's, it's not worth it. Yeah, something you're probably quite excited about, Joel, is uh, the new G.I. Joe movie coming out. Absolutely. Early next year? Yeah, uh, March, end of March, it's due. I'm a huge G.I. Joe fan. I waste half of my salary on collecting <laughs> the action figures a month. But it should be an interesting film because even though The Rock's the main star, it's going to be one of those films where it'll be an ensemble piece, so it'll be interesting to see how much of the reins he actually takes and leads away. I'll be the big Bruce Willis guys there for... How much we don't know. And Channing Tatum, didn't they? Wasn't the whole oh. reason they bumped it back is so they could reshoot it and put more Channing Tatum in? I think. This... Hey, I thought because it was crap. <laughs> they didn't want to compete with the other movies of this year. I'm I've hoping heard, that's not the case. I've heard a few things. It was like initially I heard that they'd reshot it so they could put more 3D in. Mm-hmm. And then I heard that, yeah, they'd reshot it because they wanted more Channing Tatum. I think in test screenings, they actually, spoiler alert, killed the Channing Tatum character, and audiences weren't a fan of that because he is the sexiest man in the world, according to, was it People or something like that? Oh, according to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, uh, audiences weren't happy with that, so they're trying to resurrect Our audience won't be happy with that. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I've like I've I'd never bothered with the first GI Joe. Good on you. <laughs> and I saw the trailer for the second one and thought, yeah, the Rock looks good because it's the Rock being the Rock. It is. He's it's, playing a yeah. big fuck off man with a big fuck off gun. <laughs> and of course, Fast Six is coming out this year as well. And just seeing some of the stills from Fast Six, obviously, there's no story testing in movies like there was in wrestling. So no. the Rock can get away with being super juiced. Mm. I read today that there's it's not cast or confirmed yet, but they're looking like a final Conan film with Arnie in it, playing like the last adventure of Conan, which is kind of cool. But you look at The Rock, because you go back and watch those early Conan films, and there's been no one that big on screen yeah. since. He was absolutely massive back then. And when I mean, you look at, you know, Hugh Jackman in Wolverine, he's ripped and everything, but he's not He's massive. not thick. Yeah. And you know, even, I mean, Sly now in Expendables, he's... he's freaky, weird, walnutty looking. He's not... <laughs> not like the specialist where he was a condom full of walnuts. Yeah, he's just, they're just weird looking. He's not muscly, but Arnie, when he was doing Conan, was freaking huge. And I think the only person to rival that would be The Rock now, who has the acting chops more than Arnie ever did. Yeah. And he's got the physique to look impressive. Well, there was that scene in Welcome to the Jungle where, at the start, where Rock's having that fight in the, in the nightclub and Arnie walks past and it's kind of, kind of like... Yeah, that, that's him passing the torch to The Rock sort of thing. Well, that's quite a handful of, of movies with wrestlers in. We could probably talk a lot more. So yeah, we haven't even crossed the Professor Toru Tanaka bridge. Is he odd job? Yeah, and I think he was a bad guy in all sorts of films. <laughs> was it Jeeves Svensson who was in Batman and Robin? He was. He was the original Bane. He was Bane. <laughs> and I think he was in the Presidio as well, and Sean Connery was like, I'm going to beat you up with my and thumb. Terry Funk, you told me, was in... Uh, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yeah. And, and he was Early. in... Briefly, he was in a, Over the Top. What about all those sequels of other films that we all love, like 
Is it? The Marine 2. Isn't there a... It doesn't even get John Cena back. Well, they brought in Ted DiBiase for the Marine 2, and then quite ironically they were going to put Randy Orton in the Marine 3, despite the fact that he was actually in the Marines for real before he was a wrestler and got dishonorably discharged, and someone high up in the Marines sort of said to Vince McMahon that I don't think it's a good idea that you should be making this guy a Marine. So obviously Vince didn't do his homework there. Mr. Kennedy in Behind Enemy Lines, Columbia. <laughs> we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel if we talk about Kennedy being in movies. Yeah. Well, Edge was in Highlander. Well, he was. Next thing you're going to tell me that putting Diamond Dallas Page in First Daughter was a good choice. Uh, he was also in The Devil's Rejects. <laughs> and let's not forget one of the greatest wrestlers on the planet, The Ultimate Warrior. We were talking about uh, underground fighting films. There was one where Ultimate Warrior was the bad guy. I think it's called The Last Stand, maybe? I think so. I remember the cover. I've yeah. never seen the movie. Oh, I bought it on VHS for $5 at HMV <laughs> back in the day. And Ultimate Warrior is the king of the underground fighters, and two cops go undercover. Has he got a crown? No. No, I don't oh, think so. Oh, Does he get he to wrestle Phil Collins, though? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what we talked about? <laughs> that was a... The old... Two of Hearts. What is it? Two... Two Hearts. Two Hearts video. It's a weird film clip. I don't think it's the official film clip, but it's Gilbert Godfrey talking with other producers about the film clip they're going to make for this Phil Collins oh, clip. It is like, the real one. Well, that's it. Is that the only one? I think it is. And then they go, yeah, wrestling's hot, let's do that. So it's Phil Collins in a love heart, like, unitard, fighting the ultimate warrior while he sings the song. It's ridiculous. But I think the next big star coming out of wrestling might be Dave Batista. Yeah. Because he's in Scorpion King 3, which all know is the best of the Scorpion Kings. I, I With Randy know. Couture. I don't know, but he's in that. But there's a movie that was out recently in America called Man with the Iron Fists with our own rusty Russell Crowe looking super fat. But yeah, he's it's a big budget movie written and directed by one of the members of the Wu-Tang Clan, which, you know, means quality when it's it comes the Rizzo, to cinema. isn't it? Yeah. Who will be in the G.I. Joe film with The Rock? Batista. Or the Rizzo. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's all links. But yeah, so I'm actually looking forward to that movie. It's been out in America, but we're waiting for it here. But Man with the Iron Fists, look for it. Because I think he is playing the Man with the Iron Fist out of all the characters that are in there. Hmm. He looks funky. Yeah, maybe we'll have to check that out. Maybe it can be an excursion. Because some people go to the movies, but Joe likes to take us on excursions. We, we do, we go on excursions. <laughs> but you let me get a note from my mum and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, that's probably a good place to wrap up our discussion on, on wrestling movies. And yeah, we, we threw the suggestion out on our Facebook page that if anyone had any ideas of wrestling movies that we hadn't thought of ourselves, that maybe we would have a look at them. And most of the ones we got suggested were stuff we've we've talked about ourselves. I think The, the Rock is definitely the, the favourite of our Facebook fans. Brett did mention Doom, which I haven't got... I actually bought Doom on DVD because it came in a two-pack with Serenity. And it was actually cheaper to buy the two-pack with Doom than it was to buy Serenity on its own. So they were paying you to buy Doom. Pretty much. So <laughs> it's sitting on my shelf unwatched, which I should watch and everything. I heard, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not that good, but it's got Judge Dredd in it, doesn't it? Does it? Isn't Carl yeah, Urban? Carl Urban. Yeah. Yeah. Now Keith Urban's in it, isn't it? <laughs> Even better. He'd <laughs> be more in Walking Tall, wouldn't he? With Nicole Kidman yeah. playing the monsters. <laughs> Yeah. She plays the two by four. Yes. Well, definitely, that's a good place to wrap it up this week. We mentioned Facebook, and yeah, thank you for the, the people that gave us the suggestions on Facebook. We also got some pretty good feedback on Facebook just recently from Ben from the Action Figure Blues podcast. So it's good to actually see that other podcasters are listening to our little product. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for that, Ben. And yeah, just to give it a little bit of a plug, so we are the Massive Attack podcast on Facebook. You can like us, come and leave a comment, give us suggestions of things that we should talk about and things we should stop talking about, like the Valleys. Which we will. We're done. Yep, Valleys is over. Geordie Shore all the way. Although, we, Mitch made us watch some more quality television just before we recorded tonight. We watched the first episode of Killer Karaoke. Yeah. I really don't Which know Which I said, much. I didn't know what it was going to be like, and I said, this could be the greatest show ever, or the worst show ever. And I think I was right on both counts. <laughs> yeah, the jury's still out on that, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, I could watch a guy trying to deliver food with electrodes attached to him singing Rambling Man forever. But someone covered in balloons trying to sing Walking Through a Cactus Garden with snakes at the end of it. Eh, not so fun. Yes. Well, if you do have any feedback from the show, definitely check us out on Facebook. Come and check out our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. Or you can always email us to themapodcast.gmail.com. We are on iTunes as the Massive Attack Podcast. And you can also search for us now on Stitcher as the Massive Attack Podcast. Podcast. You're a big fan of Stitcher. 
I'm finding I'm listening to a lot more on Stitcher than I do through iTunes now, mm. purely for the fact that I don't have to sync it up. So if I forget to move something across from my PC onto my iPod, I've got nothing to listen to. But Stitcher, I've got on the iPad and I can just go, oh, yeah, I'll just listen to something straight away. The other beauty of Stitcher is the fact that if you listen to a show and like it, you can go back a lot further straight away and just go, yeah, I'll listen to a, a back issue of that sort of thing. Cool. So I found I'm getting into the Greg Proops podcast, the I smartest man in the world, quite a bit on Stitcher at the moment. So. If what you're a you? fan of Greg Proops, you should listen to that. Joel, are you listening to anything? I've been giving the Colt Cabana Art of Wrestling podcast a listen. Quite interesting as former pro wrestlers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got paid. We're pro. <laughs> I got paid once. I still have the money in a voting box. <laughs> I will one day frame it with my... Yeah. <laughs> with your... Yeah. My dignity. Yes. Yeah, great little stories on that podcast with a lot of wrestlers who have been up and down the road and another one I like to listen to as being a big G.I. Joe fan What's on Joe Mind if you're into the hobby great stories and news and interviews with voice actors from the cartoons and creators from the show well that kind of ties into the whole wrestlers in movies and stuff doesn't it with Sergeant Slaughter being in G.I. Joe was it the real Sergeant Slaughter that did the voice in the cartoons yeah yeah um, Hasbro offered him a shitload of money and WWF wanted a cut of it which was why he left and went to the AWA <laughs> yet Hulk Hogan in his own cartoon couldn't even do his voice Brad Garrett did his voice. Ray Morano's brother. <laughs> cool. Anything else you'd like to plug? Yeah, my MySpace page. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming back, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Any moment now. Yeah. yeah, me and Tom, we're going to get this thing <laughs> again. Good old Tom. Alrighty, well, well, thank you for coming on the show, Joel. We've, well, we've talked about me. it for a long time. Alrighty, well, thanks for your time, guys, and we'll be back next month, next year. So have a good Christmas. Have a good Christmas, have a good New Year. Happy Kwanzaa. So we should have talked more about Santa with muscles if this is our Christmas episode. We should have. And, and Brutus and Barber Beefcake as the Asian bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the two police hacking a bazooka in the back of their cruiser. As you do. Alrighty, and yeah, we'll be back in January, and we're going to do another one of our things we're looking forward to in the new year in January. So pants, yes, I'm looking forward to pants. We're all looking forward to you wearing <laughs> pants, Mitch. But you know, whether it happens or not, it's a different story. Alrighty, see you next month, guys. Au revoir. Catch you later. Before I do something lame